Right. Well, again, thanks for uh, taking time to come out and join us uh, here at RUF. And uh, yeah, we really want to be a safe place for both uh, believers and unbelievers and the curious to investigate the, the Christian life. And uh, just like when you go to school here at the University of Maryland, you go to calculus class, I bet you they're going to teach you calculus. I hope they do anyway. You'll be doing theorems and all that kind of stuff that I didn't do too well in. Um, but uh, at RUF, we, we get into the Bible because we believe that it's God's Word, it's His living Word that He gives us to understand life. He's the one that's created us. And this is kind of like our owner's manual. Um, if you've ever worked on a car, it's always good to look at that. And so... To some extent, as we look at this whole issue of relationships, uh, of marriage, of dating, of sexuality, and these things, we come back to the text. We come back to what God has given us. And so, um, you know, we've, we've, been, we've been talking about different things. Um, uh, the last, this is actually the fourth week we've done uh, this series. And the first week, uh, we talked about uh, this, the fact that Without the love of God, you will not be able to love. Uh, and in John, First John, it talks about God is love. And there's this connection between knowing God and understanding who God is and experiencing His love that gives you the energy and the power and the motivation to love other people. Uh, the second week, we talked about this issue of why, do we, why are we so... Uh, uh, why, why are relationships such a beautiful and wonderful and big deal? And why are we always talking about girls, guys and guys? Why are we always, or girls, why, why are they talking about guys and what's going on? Well, that's how God has made us. And we went back to Genesis 1 and 2 and looked at the beginning. Uh, we looked and saw, uh, how He created Adam and Eve in His image. And He created the first marriage and, uh, and this relationship is really the DNA of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The fact that we're relational people didn't come from nowhere. came from the fact that God is a relational God. And He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three, The Godhead. Three people in one God. And because of that, He makes us relational people. And male and female created in His image. And then last week, is that where we are now? Last week we talked about the fall. We talked about what happened. Why is it? Why are they so hard? Why is it so hard to love people? And uh, we talked about the separation. And so this week we're going to go back to Genesis two. And this week is a little bit different. I really struggled with. I'm struggling every week, so please pray for me. But um, we're dealing more with what is the state of dating today? What's the state of dating? And and also, what you know, when you're thinking about dating, what should you be looking for in a person? So we're going to kind of cover those two things. But the passage I want to read to begin with is is back in Genesis two eighteen to twenty five. There's a few um, very instrumental texts that talk about marriage and relationships, and uh, and Genesis two eighteen to twenty five is one of those main text that even Jesus quotes in the New Testament and Paul quotes it as well. So look at Genesis 2, 18-25. If that's up there, that's small. You might have to squint. But uh, hear God's Word. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. 
So out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every bird of the heavens, and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was, no, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And then the man said, This is at last bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. And they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed." So we're going to look at, first of all tonight, just this, this idea, this big picture of what is the state of dating uh, that's out there. And I would say that the state of dating, especially in the college ranks, uh, is pretty rough. Uh, it's pretty difficult. Uh, and we are in many ways shaped and squeezed by the culture that we live in. Now historically, in traditional cultures... Dating wasn't a big deal. In fact, people didn't date. You grew up in a little village. You're three years old. And next thing you know, you see another, your parents see another little girl about three years old in a hut, a few huts down with a nice family. And basically, uh, they are beginning to plan your life for you right there. It's an arranged marriage. And, Historically, in traditional cultures, it's still that way. And in some of our cultures uh, in the world today, it's still that way, where this idea of marriage uh, is planned for you. Uh, it's arranged for you. Now, people have say and that sort of things. But uh, in general, um, this really took a lot of the pressure off dating because when you were 12 or 13, you were, you were getting married. And, and uh, who is this person that I'm now sleeping with? I, I don't know. And, and uh, you... you, you you may have not even had the attraction or the chemistry or the things that we talk about in modern day dating, but you learned those things and you learned that the commitment was on the front end. Commitment was on the front end and you learned to love this person and get to know that and, and probably the affection and the romance and all kind of grew out of that. But it's different now, isn't it? Uh, now, my generation, and, and I am one of the older than 18 to 22 uh, people that all you guys were coming up. Um, you know, before, you know, people would meet at school or church or work. And I'm not saying that this doesn't happen today, but it doesn't happen as much. Uh, they would meet and uh, in their social circles, they begin to talk. Uh, you'd see an attractive girl over there you'd like to get to know, and you might have the guts to go up and talk to her. And uh, maybe you would even ask, take that next step and maybe do something in a group with her, and then maybe actually do something alone with her, go out to dinner with her, or go bowling or something like that. And, uh, you, know, uh, you know, my friends, they began to pair up, they began to date, fall in love, and, and they got married. Uh, I began to do those things too and, and had some incredible failures along the way. Uh, but, you know, and then we would always have the DFR talk, you know, define, or DTR, sorry. I got, gosh, this is how old I am. 
define the relationship talk at some point where you had to like settle, okay, what, what are we here? You know, what is going on? Why do you keep calling me? Why do you keep following me around? Like, is there something going on here? And so you would have to, that was an important thing to have, and it's still an important thing. What is going on? Are you in this thing or are you not? Are you committed at least to this idea of getting to know me in a more uh, one-on-one setting? And so people would have that talk and, you know, some would continue and get committed and get married. And uh, some would go through that process and uh, find out, you know what, I don't think we're connecting uh, that as much as I thought we would and, and people would break up and that's okay. And uh, it would hurt for a while and you would get over it and you'd get back into the game. Um, but what do we see today? Do we see that as much? And I was talking with Logan actually uh, today about this. He just had some really, I'm going to talk to you every day, both of you, um, help me understand. Uh, but, you know, he, he, I'm going to, are you okay with me sharing this? Yeah. Um, you know, he was saying like, you know, as I look around college students, basically I see not many of them dating. And I would say that this is not, not just here at the University of Maryland, but like culturally, culturally speaking, students like to hang out in groups uh, we like friendship groups, but the risk of dating or pairing off uh, is a little bit too much. We text, you know, Facebook friends, but actually stepping out and stepping up uh, to some extent, uh, we don't do that. And Logan said something else really insightful. And this was, I think, through uh, his minister down in Nashville. Uh, but he said, the college culture is prudish when it comes to friendships and developing lots of friendships with people and promiscuous when it comes to sexuality. Uh, we will give our bodies away with the sexual hookup, and that's really the state of our, of our culture. But on the one-on-one deep friendship, that just takes too much work. I think that's really insightful. Did you hear that? We are, And as Christians, what are we supposed to be? We're supposed to be promiscuous with friendship. We're supposed to get to know a lot of people. Jesus got to know all kinds of people. But we're prudish with sexuality. We think differently about things like sex. We think differently about things like money and power. Because the Christian worldview is totally opposite, totally different than what the world is saying. The sex ethic for the Christian is only marriage. Only in marriage. But in our culture, it's rough. And the sexual hookup culture is alive and well. Um, Deep friendships, uh, spending time with, dating, that's hard work. But the appetite for sexuality has to be uh, satisfied. And just like your need for Chipotle, uh, you need sex. And people are doing that. People are hooking up and then later on learning names. And that's, that's really the life that's many college students are going under. It's, it's difficult and it's, and it's hard. And uh, it, there, there might be satisfaction and pleasure for a moment, but the scars and everything else it leaves are incredibly damaging spiritually, emotionally, physically, because sex is something that God gives us as a gift for marriage. And when we use that outside of that marriage, it totally can blow up in our faces. And it's, it's an instrument that God's given us, a beautiful, wonderful instrument that we're going to talk about later on. But when we use that outside of His bounds, it, it can just totally explode in our faces and it can change who we are and it can change 
uh, the way we see people and and the way we think about ourselves. It's incredibly powerful, but sex is like glue. (laughs) And when you don't use it in its proper place, it gets messy everywhere. And it loses its stickiness. What else? There's the another thing as I was thinking about this was we have now more options for dating than we have ever had. There's so many options. Um, all you have to do is watch TV. You're going to see an eHarmony ad, uh, Match.com. If like like on my iPhone when I go to Pandora, it's always trying to hook me up with women in their 50s somewhere in this area. I, uh, but it, yeah, there's Zeusk is one of them. Is that, have you guys heard of Zeusk? Uh, um, there's a Jewish, Jewish singles I've seen, Christian singles, um, mountain climbing, triathlon singles, uh, uh, reformed singles. There's, there literally is reformed singles. Um, cowboy singles, I'm sure they're out there. Uh, but there's so many options and yet, and yet, I would say probably fewer people are actually getting, are, are actually dating and then getting married. They connect through personality tests. And uh, I was going to ask you guys raise your hand if you tried one, but I won't. Um, I, I have tried. I have tried one. Um, we connect through personality tests and what we like to do. Maybe we go out on a date. But if you're perfectionistic and a little bit afraid. You can just X out people. And then the next day, there's 50 more choices uh, that come in your mailbox for possible dates. And it, be- it can become overwhelming. And you can become very, uh, this is all about me. This is all about like not serving, but like how can this person best meet my needs instead of the biblical ethic that we see in marriage is how can I serve this person? How can I lay down my life? For this person, and it becomes very consumeristic. It becomes very much what's in it for me. And uh, these these companies are making millions of dollars. And I'm not saying they're they're wrong. Uh, in fact, I've heard a stat that maybe one out of five marriages now is an internet connection marriage, which is pretty amazing. But there's incredible choices, incredible options. Um, and this can lead, like I said, to this unrealistic expectation. And we're looking for that, uh, that person who uh, has the hot factor, okay, and fits what we desire in a person. Um, and for so many of us, you know, you've always heard Mr. Right or Miss Right. You know, you're looking for that perfect person. And instead of getting out there and meeting people and making friends and doing things of common interest, we, we wait and we screen people and we, we think about, is this the right one or not? And we don't even get out there and build relationships and friendships and get to know people. And uh, Tim Keller, in fact, a lot of what I'm doing uh, in this series is taking Tim, Dr. Tim Keller's stuff and trying to boil it down to you. Not everything, but... He has some amazing things, and there's a book he wrote called The Meaning of Marriage. And in that book, he talks about screening and uh, how a lot of times we negate the best possible spouses for us because we screen them out and we don't even give them a chance. And here's what he says. Uh, It's typical for a single person to walk into a room and see a number of people of the opposite sex and immediately begin to screen them, not for companionship, but for attractiveness 
Let's say three out of the ten, you walk into this room, look appealing. Uh, the next step is to approach those to see uh, what kind of rapport you have. And if one of them will agree to go out on a date and you get romantically involved, perhaps you'll see if you can turn that person into a friend as well. The problem is many of your best prospects for friendship were likely among those you ruled out because they were too tall or too short, too fat or too skinny. I mean, isn't this how we look at people? Very surface-oriented. Very surface-oriented. And we screen out people. and We don't even think about the inside. Think about their character. Think about what's going on, what they believe in, who they are. Um, another thing that we're running into is what I would call, and I've talked about this before, this, the prolonged adolescent period that our culture has developed. You know? I mean, my mom and dad, listen to this. They got married when they were 18 years old. My mom and dad are 83. They have been married 63 years. Is that right? Something like that. They got, they got married in 1948. 1948. They are still living, praise God, up in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. They have not become Amish, but they are up there at a retirement community. And, uh, you know, they got out of the house. They, they worked. <laughs> they started having kids. And uh, but now, for many of us, um, you know, we've got college, and then we've got um, got to get our first job. Uh, need to make enough money. Let's buy a house. And sooner or later, you're 42, and and you're still not you're still not married. In fact, Kevin DeYoung in his book, uh, I'm going to read it again. In 1960, 77% of women and 65% of men completed all the major transitions into adulthood by the age of 30. Major transitions included leaving home, finishing school, becoming financially independent, getting married, and having a child. So 77% of the women had a child by the age of 30, probably a lot of them before that. By 2000, only 46% of women completed these transitions by age 30, and only 31% of the men. Adolescence is the new normal. So another issue just in our culture is people just want to be kids. It's fun to be a kid. You can sit home and watch ESPN and play Xbox and just do things and you know, you don't have to worry about anybody else. Part of what I'm doing here is like trying to like challenge you with that and challenge myself with that. Is that is that what God is calling you to? Is that what he desires for you? Uh or does he desire you to to get out there and to mature and to be uh a person on your own and to to begin to ask God what would you have for me in this area um, here's another thing I want to talk about and that and this kind of gets down to this issue of choice and uh, John Stone he's the cam- he's the, one of the the head campus ministers he's in Atlanta for RUF and he's like the second in command in RUF um, and uh, some of you met him he spoke on our our uh, summer conference and he did a series on dating uh, some years ago at summer conference and he talked about dating with this metaphor of it's like a roller coaster and he basically said you know the guy and the girl see each other and guy asks the girl out and it's kind of like you're in, you're you get in the roller coaster car and the and the the bar comes down and you're in the building you know and you're getting ready and you start you start going, and uh, you start ratcheting up, up the hill, 
And, you know, you take her out for ice cream, you go to a movie, um, you start doing things, you start talking on the phone. Um, you actually do talk on the phone, not text. And you just keep, you keep going and you keep ratcheting up. But there comes a point as you start getting to know each other. Now, whether that's like three or four dates or whether that's eight or ten, depending on what's going on and the speed, there comes a point in every relationship where there's a choice. This is how we are built. This is how relationships, if they start, they've got to do one of two things. You either break up or you get married. Okay? It, and he named his talk, break up or get married or leave the rest of us the heck alone. Okay? Because <laughs> it can get messy when it goes back and forth all the time. But what he was saying is this, this is how God has built us. It's hard. All the guys have sweaty palms and when they think about commitment, when they think about stepping up and being mature in this area, it's hard. And uh, it's not something you can do in your own strength. And for girls, it's hard to say yes. It's not something you can do in your own strength. And, uh, but this is, how, <laughs> this is how relationships go. You can't just date and date and not expect... Uh, commitment and relational connection. And that's what a lot of our culture does. And and here's my girlfriend, and we've been uh, seeing each other for the last six years. And, uh, you know, we're 38. And no. But it, life can become like that, where there's never this commitment and there's fear and all these sorts of things. Now I'm going to change. There's also the parent factor. Let's talk about dating and parents a little bit. Uh, and this can become a huge factor in uh, folks not dating and then getting married. And one of the things is um, maybe maybe they really imply, and maybe you get this verbally or maybe you get this from, you know, if you bring somebody home to them to meet um, and you start getting serious and maybe you're even starting to talk about marriage and maybe you're in college still, you may get this idea that no way you, you you have to finish school you have to be financially stable you have to make have a 401k and about a hundred thousand dollars in the bank before you can make this commitment and this is very real this is very true that the parents sometimes can prevent pe- kids you guys from getting married young and you should be able to get married young and you should be able to figure out the financial stuff I'm getting ready to marry two people that were sitting where you guys are on Saturday and they are just getting themselves together financially. One of them just got a full-time job. The other one's still got a part-time job, but they love each other and they're like 22 and they're getting married on Saturday because they've, they've decided, I want to commit my life to you and I love you. And, and I will say that when I first met one of the parents, they were a bit concerned about those things, which they should be. But the question is, are they trying to thwart what God has designed? And so the other factor is there might be, they might have a certain person in mind for you, the right type. You know, so you date somebody, you bring them home, and you get the cold shoulder, or, and this is just like Romeo and Juliet. This is just like every other, you know, movie. You know, this person is not right for you. And maybe they're, you know, and this is a Christian group, so we're talking about this, but like, if they're believers, if they love Jesus, um, that's pretty much the only, like, absolute requirement that in the Christian faith we have. Uh, now, obviously there's other, there's other factors, and I'm kind of simplifying it, but 
The question is, parents can stand in the way too. And they can have their own ideas. Like, that person doesn't make enough money. That person's not right for you. That person's not smart enough, good enough, daggone it, I don't like them. And whatever. But they can be a real influential because you want to love and honor your parents, but at the same time, they are, they are doing things that what we would say is they're kind of thwarting the plan of God in your life. And so that's why you have to go back to Scripture and say, what does God really want? And we'll talk about leaving and cleaving. Uh, and that's part of it. Um, Alright. I'm going, I'm going on here. Are you guys with me? Are you like... Uh, um, but I would say the biggest factor probably in our culture and, and just in our hearts is, is going back to this idea that we hate commitment and we always like to keep our options open. And we've never lived in a world with so many options. This, this world that you live in right now has more options. I mean, look how many channels we have on TV. I mean, look at the, I mean, the inter- I mean, if you don't like TV, just watch the inter- I mean, there's so many choices. And it's the same thing and we can become um, uncommitted because there's got to be something better that's coming down the pike. And so we don't commit. We don't commit to the Mid-Atlantic RUF Fall Conference because there might be something better coming up on next Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. But there's nothing. I promise you, there's nothing better than that. Okay? But, listen, I've been in ministry, and especially youth ministry, a long time to know that, um, that folks don't sign up till the very, very last, you know, time that they can sign up and that's that's how people are that's how we are but we do that too with relationships so the question is um, all of these things are kind of the culture of what we live in some of them are caused by the culture that's out there and some of them are caused by the culture of our own heart our own heart that um, is sinful and fallen like we talked about and full of idolatry and, and saying that I want to be God and I want to I want to have this person serve me and I want to have everything serve me instead of serving the other person. And so, what we're saying here is that uh, the Gospel and the Bible are, 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 is different. And it's calling us to a radically different view uh, of this whole idea of dating and, and, and marriage and what that is. Um, and the Gospel is ultimately saying that uh, we need God. That, w- that especially when it comes to relationships, uh, serious relationships like this, we need the power of God that He brings about through the Gospel. That, uh, uh, and the Gospel simply is that we're far bigger sinners than we imagine. And Jesus, on the other hand, loves us more than we can possibly dream. And getting a hold of that Gospel message, getting a hold of that love of God, is what will motivate you to think about life and to have the power uh, to love God and to love other people and to, to commit. This is what we believe, that without the Gospel, um, without the Gospel being the center of your life in that relationship, that things, are, things could blow apart very quickly. And so, uh, the goal of dating, that's what I'm going to talk about next. So, we have this desire... <laughs> We, we know that it's a rough culture out there. We see our own sin. But gosh, we'd still like to date. We'd still like to meet someone. And so what would be the goal of dating? Or you know, how could we build this deep friendship that the Lord is talking about here in Genesis 2? And, and so let me just read this, this 
uh, phrase again, when the Lord brings the woman to Adam in, uh, in verse uh, 23, the man said, and this is the first song we've talked about in the Bible, the first poetry, this is at last bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This is at last bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And really what he is saying is, is that this woman isn't just like me or a good fit, not like because the animals certainly weren't a good fit, and my work that I was doing wasn't a good fit. I was alone, and this woman is so connect, so close to me that it's not just that she's like me, she is me. That's the force of this Hebrew, that she, she's, she connects in every way with me. And so, what... Uh, the Lord is saying here in this is that there's all these connections, multiple connections, not just physically, and there was that too, the physical and sexual chemistry, which is important, but there was companionship, uh, and in every area there was a deep connection uh, and a friendship with this person. And so he was lonely. He had nobody to talk to. God brought him somebody to talk to. Uh, he was doing his work by himself. God brought him somebody to help him do his work. Uh, he didn't have any entertainment. God brought him somebody to entertain him and to do fun stuff. Maybe they played tag. I don't know. They, uh, they created games. Maybe they invented chess. I don't know. But the, the whole world was out there for them to enjoy and to celebrate life. And uh, now, he had, now it made everything better. You know, it made the color red redder. It made the sky bluer. You know, because he had somebody to share it with. And that's really the power of companionship, you know. It's lonely when you go on road trips by yourself. But if you have somebody with you, it's a lot more fun. Because you get to share that experience together. And uh, C.S. Lewis, he talks about this idea of deep friendship um, in his book, The Four Loves. And he talks about these four words, these uh, Greek words, uh, philos, which is friendship, uh, eros, which is the sexual love, agape, which is the committed, unconditional love, and uh, uh, starge, which is kind of the family love or the brotherly love that you have. And so uh, he talks about this, that er- if eros is two people facing one another, that's kind of the sexual chemistry love, that, uh, aga- or, uh, that f- philos is the friendship love. It's shoulder to shoulder looking at a common horizon. And to some extent, as you think about relationships and like, how do I know if this person is right for me? Well, you should, you should want to marry your very best friend. You should want to marry someone who you connect with on multiple levels. Okay, now I'm not trying to be perfectionistic here. Like, he knew that exact book that I love and, and we just hit it off because he started saying that. But I'm saying... That, yeah, there is a incredible, what you, you do want to find people with common interests. Because that's how friendships are built. You know? Maybe you like the Orioles, okay? Uh, may, I mean, I don't know, whatever you're into, but like you're looking for that commonality. Because if it is just the chemistry, wow, she's so beautiful, she's like a model, uh, or he's like such a hunk, or whatever. Do you even say that word anymore? That, like, you know, he's so strong. I, I don't know. But if, it, if that's all it is, guess what? We're getting older. I'm, I'm getting older and sagging. And, uh, you know, 
What are you going to do? You know, when, when the sexual chemistry and all that stuff wears off. Um, when, when you go through the roller coaster of life. When you go through sickness. When you go through pain and everything. Are you going to have friendship connection? Are you going to have, you're going to have deep connection with that person that's going to ride out the trials? And you're going to love that person for who they are. And, uh, and so friendship is a key thing uh, that, you're, that you need to be looking for when you're, th- when you're thinking about that room of the ten people and are you, are you starting to screen stuff uh, and you haven't even gotten to know people. So what does this mean as you think about potential dating partners or marriage partners? You know, well, who do you hit it off with in terms of friendship? You know, who are you really getting to know? Are you investing time? And that's... You know, that's what we want to see. We want to see people spending time with each other, you know, having fun, going bowling, um, doing things together, getting to know. I mean, our, the great thing about RUF is we do a lot of social stuff together just for that. So we can build, and, and not just, not for that end game, but just to, because God calls us to be friends and to love people and encourage people. But in the process of that, it becomes a great place uh, to get to know the folks of the opposite sex and build some friendship and trust and relationships. Are you taking advantage of that? And so what do you look for? Well, ultimately, what you want to look for as a Christian is someone who is spiritually minded. And, and, and what I'm just saying here is that for the Christian, you want a person who seeks God, who loves Jesus. Um, that is the number one thing, and that's really what God calls us to. He talks about don't be unequally yoked. Don't, don't go out with somebody because... <laughs> Uh, typically going out with somebody for a long time ends up in marriage. And so he's saying you should, you should be thinking about people that believe the same way you believe about the deepest thing of your life. So a Christian is someone who says, you know, Jesus is the center of my life and I'm looking for another person that has Jesus in the center of their life. They, they might like pink, I like blue, that doesn't matter, but like Jesus is in the center and that's forming that person. That's forming that person's worldview. And see, that's, that's what connects us right there. So even if they might be artsy and you're a sports guy, that doesn't matter because in the center, you've got Jesus who's bringing it all together. And you're going to have an exciting family because your kids will probably be artsy and sportsy. Okay? Uh, but um, you're looking for someone with a common world view. Uh, and we're saying that, you know, God is the center of life. God is the creator. That... <laughs> that we're sinners. You're looking for someone who can admit the fact that they're a sinner, that they're humble. Uh, and you're ultimately looking for a character person. You're looking for someone who um, has a godly character and who's developing in, in that. And, you know, the Scriptures talk a lot about the fruit of the Spirit. Do you see the fruit of the Spirit in, the, in this person? Do you see love? Do you see joy? Patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. I'm not saying perfection here, but do you see humility when they mess up? Do they repent? Do they say, man, I totally blew it? Um, Do you see a soft heart? So what are you looking for? You're looking for somebody that has the same view of life and who you see um, love instilled. In fact, there's a little booklet back there called um, Who Should I Date or something? I don't know. It's a little booklet. Um, but I was looking at that today, and uh, it talked about this idea of character and godly character, and it had 1 Corinthians 13, which is typically read at weddings. But just to remind you, 
you know, as you think about your life, are you this kind of person? And are you looking for this kind of person? Love. person who loves. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily, easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. It doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. I mean, these are impossible things to do in and of our own strength. We need Jesus. We need His Holy Spirit. But, you know, as you go bowling, as you grab ice cream, as you go on a mission trip, like, and you get to know people over a long period of time, do you see the Spirit of God in them? Do you see this character of love in them? That's the kind of person that you want to get with. And, you know, it gets even bigger. There's a thousand different directions, but, you know, when you get to know people, like maybe you have a desire to help kids in the city. You know, maybe you have a desire to be a missionary. Um, does that person have that? Does that person have, does that person, um, have, a, have a heart for the poor? Um, what about family? <laughs> what about church? What about theology? What about doctrine? All of these things come into this issue of like, is this, are we connecting on many levels? And, and with relationships, there's always lots of compromise too. But ultimately, the number one thing is, does this person have Jesus in the center of their life? And if that's true, that's what you want. And you can work with that. The last thing is this. When we think about dating, uh, we must be thinking about this idea of commitment and marriage and family. That we shouldn't, be, we shouldn't just be dating without thinking about the end game. Because the end game is what God tells us in Genesis 1, 2, and 3. In fact, the entire Bible is, is really um, that God has instituted this thing called marriage. And there's only two choices. You're, you're, you're either uh, married or you're single. And this, the idea of dating is never even mentioned in the Bible. I mean, the principles of dating we get out of the Bible, but this idea, this concept of dating, like I was talking about in traditional cultures, it's not there. I mean, I was just reading about uh, Isaac and Rebecca, and, and they sent their servant out with camels, and she came out with the camels and watered them and also gave straw to the camels. And that, that, that's the one! That's the one for my servant. And he brought her back and he got, they got married. I mean, that's how they got, that's how they dated back then. But God, so God is, God is calling us to this idea of marriage or he's calling us to the glorious idea of singleness. Okay? There's only two choices. We'll talk about singleness too. Um, but, the call is this, verse 24, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. That's verse 24. Uh, the heart of that relationship there is commitment. They shall leave father and mother and hold fast. And that is a covenantal word. That's making a covenant, making a contract, making a commitment, and making this solemn promise before God and each other that they are going to promise to love this person until the end. Today and tomorrow and 20 years and when I'm sagging and when I'm dying. They're going to love and commit to that person. And so ultimately marriage is a commitment apparatus. And so you shouldn't be dating just just purely for fun. Just purely 
you shouldn't call it a day. I mean, you should get to know people, but you shouldn't be in some sort of one-on-one committed relationship for any period of time without talking about these things, without talking about where is this going? Is, is this person thinking about uh, marriage or are they just playing me? What's going on? Uh, you have every right to have that conversation. Because what the Bible is saying is it's going towards marriage and commitment or else it's you be a friend to them and uh, encourage them, but you're single. Um, and so this is what it's about. And so there's one other thing I want to talk about is that the guys, you know, in this passage in Genesis, it's the man. It says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. And there's something significant about that because the man is the pursuer. Uh, the man is the one who is leaving and and then he is going and and asking for the wife's hand to leave her family. And uh, dating relationships, guys, the Lord wants to mature you. He wants to call you to be a man. Uh, he wants to grow you up in that. To grow you up to so that you pursue. And what's the example? Well, the example the Apostle Paul tells us is Jesus. Because... Really, this whole idea of marriage is kind of a big metaphor for the ultimate marriage, which is Jesus, the groom, leaving heaven, pursuing His bride, the church, and laying down His life for that church and purifying her by the Word and bringing her to Himself and presenting her to the Father. See, that's that's the big picture. And so, as you think about what your job is, Guys, your job is to be like Jesus. Your, your job is to be like Jesus, to lay down your life for this woman. That's a hard calling. Nobody can do that in their own strength. And that's what the gospel is all about, and that's what we're going to keep talking about. Um, because Jesus, the perfect man, the perfect groom, unconditionally loves his bride to the death on the cross. And that, and guess what? We're all the bride. If you know Jesus, we're all the bride. And no matter whether or not you get married or you're single for the rest of your life, you are a bride. Guys included. Of Jesus, who loves you and gave everything for you. And that's the hope and that's the power of dating you know, we get a hold of that, we can step out. Get a hold of that, we can take risks. Get a hold of that, we can dial the phone. We can text. We can actually call, talk to somebody. God will give you power for that. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank You for uh, this night. Thank You for um, Your Word. Lord, we'd be hopeless without it. Lord, uh, people are all over the place probably with different things I talked about. And I don't even know... <laughs> half the things I said, but Jesus, would you take the words and, and get rid of anything that's that's off and just uh, allow us to remember your truth. And uh, thank you for the gospel and that Jesus, the groom, came for the bride, us, died for us so that we might live and have hope. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We are going to close with one more song. Uh, let's uh, go ahead.